Okay, let's uh, pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for uh, Ryan and for Becky and for Cheryl's testimony. We thank you, Lord, for those who will just share, Lord, and, and lead us uh, to worship you. And we pray to, today as we just spend a little bit more time in your word, give us wisdom and give us hearts to hear and understand all you want to say. In your name we ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen. We show appreciation to Ryan who's uh, steps in there and helps us. Thank you, Ryan. We're going to worship a little bit at the end as well. Take your seats. So um, last uh, two weeks, we've started on a, a new series called The Kingdom Principles. And um, it's actually quite a visual series. Um, so I'm going to try and do my best to kind of explain things to you today. So we've had this image of a line, if you can imagine a line. And, and a cloud, and the cloud represents God's presence or God's purpose behind the rules. The line represents the rules and the commandments of God, and we talked about that there's two ways to live the Christian life. One is line dwelling, where we live according to the rules, and we, we spend our time focusing on what do I need to do in order I don't get into trouble, and what do I need to do to make sure I get a reward, or we can look for the Look for the spirit behind what God says to us and live in the presence of God, understanding that what that is. So last week we looked at this kingdom principle, seek first the kingdom of God. Let me just read it to you. It says this, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make, him, uh, make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So Jesus had this problem. He'd recruited the disciples to bring heaven on earth. And yet he had to say this to them in Matthew, and normally we'd have the words on the screen, but just forgive me. He said this, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And last week we unpacked what that means to be a pagan. We showed a picture of Apollo's uh, temple in, in Turkey. And we talked about the fact that pagans, the way they worshipped their God was they would ask this question, if I do this, is it okay with you? If I do this, will you bless me? That's the way the pagans worship their gods. And Jesus is saying, no, flip that around and ask this question, Lord, what are you doing how do I bless you knowing that you're going to take care of everything else? So seek first the kingdom of God. Make his kingdom on earth your primary concern. So we looked at how, how challenging that was and as, as an actual message. Like, what does that mean? So actually seek first the kingdom of God. We closed our eyes. We imagined somewhere we knew really, really well. And we imagined if everything in that place happened the way things happened in heaven if you remember doing that exercise last week, and we closed our eyes, some for, for some of us that was where we worked, our neighborhood, and then we realized that what the Lord was saying to us is if you make that picture, that imagination, your primary concern, I'll take care of the rest. So this week, we're gonna look at the promise. What does it mean when God says he'll take care of the rest? What does it mean when God says, I'll give you everything that you need? So um, I thought what I'd do is I'd share five principles within this principle, five things I've discovered in my life. So today's a little bit more storytelling than it is um, teaching, and I hope that's okay. Here's the first thing I've learned in my life, because I spent time as a Christian um, not seeking first the kingdom of God, still believing in God, but not seeking first. In other words, I put my dreams, my expectations, my career first and then God kind of fitted around that somewhere and then there have been times when I really tried to seek first the kingdom of God 
And I don't think it's one of those things where you either are doing it or you're not doing it. I think it's it's a, a thing in different areas of your life. So for me, in, in I'm, I'd like to think in most areas of my life, I'm trying to seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, I'm asking this question, Lord, out of all the options I have, what thing will most advance your kingdom? Out of all these choices, which one will most advance your kingdom? The kingdom of God meaning the rule, the reign, the realm, or the royalty of God. So the Lord's prayer um, really is uh, Jesus saying the people who will make up the kingdom of God are those who their primary concern in life is to see more people come under the Lordship of Christ. Here's the first thing I learned about the things that God will do is seek first and he will reward you with things that money cannot buy. Um, so I'm going to read this to you. This is why I've learned about this principle. God may not give you the money people use to buy stuff, but he will give you the stuff people use money to buy. Um, he may not make you rich, but he may give you the security or he will give you the security wealthy people hope to own. He may not give you a fast car, but he will give you the respect some people may buy fast cars to gain. He may not give you fame, but he may give you the influence that famous people can only dream about. When you seek first the kingdom of God, uh, the Bible says that God has put eternity within our hearts. It's an interesting phrase. Because um, often we hear this phrase, well, um, there's a, a God-shaped hole in us that only God can fill. Uh, my personal belief is that there's a God-shaped hole in us that even God can't fill in this life. Because there are eternal things that he's put within you. And all things of this world will never, ever fulfill the eternal things that God has put in you that will be fulfilled in eternity. But there's certain deep things that we need. We need to be loved. We need to be admired. We need to be respected. And sometimes we try and get stuff to help us feel those things. Actually, God can give us those things in other ways. He'll give us all we need. Now, some of us, God has made wealthy. And some of us, God's not chosen to do that. But the key thing is the joy that God puts in our hearts and so um, for me, growing up in Manchester, um, there are lots of things that people in Manchester like. And I, I found I liked things that other people didn't like. So I had friends who loved things like technical things and objects and stuff. And I've never been into stuff so much, but I've always wanted adventure. And so I made a list of all the things that um, since I started trying to follow the Lord, really seriously, it happened to me. And I put this down, I put, I qualified as a sports scuba diver and explored various parts of Europe. I've skied and snowboarded in Canadian and American Rocky Mountains. I've ridden on elephants. I've sailed around the Greek islands. I played in a rock band. I've surfed some of the best spots in the world. I've lived for several weeks in Barbados on the most exclusive beach you can, you can get on. I've um, kayaked in Deep Cove and on the Yampa River. I've done, I've, this list goes on, okay? Now, for some of you, that would be, yeah, that's just my life, Paul. You know, I live in America. That's the kind of thing we do. But a lad growing up in Harper Hill and Moston, Manchester, that's not the kind of life you live. And, and yet all those things are things I've listed that none of them are bought. They're all things that somehow just happened. And it's really bizarre. And, and here's a principle I've learned. Um, we can all get those things by not putting the kingdom of God first. But here's the thing. If God gives you something, God has to maintain it. We can get all this stuff ourselves, but if we get it, we have to maintain it. There are certain relationships that God has for us, and we can force those relationships, but then we have to worry about them and maintain them afterwards. 
Um, you know, some of us, we, we were hearing a story yesterday. Uh, we had breakfast, well, we had, we had coffee with um, Bob and Kerry and um, David and um, Judy Butler. And David and Judy were talking about the story of how they got to Viridian. And it was amazing just to hear how God had undertaken. And, and it's great because when you know God's done it, God has to maintain it. But even as Christians, sometimes we force things. We know we, we should serve the kingdom. We put these other things first. And sometimes our will just says, I'm just going to make this happen. But then you have, to, you have to maintain it afterwards. It's a wonderful thing when God gives and when you know God's provided because you just know he's going to take care of it. It's so freeing. It's a wonderful thing. The, the second uh, principle I've learned is this, is if you fight for the heart of the king, he will fight for yours. If you fight for the heart of the king, he will fight for yours. So um, many, many years ago, um, um, I backslid, so I wasn't seeking first the kingdom of God when I was 17, came back to the Lord when I was 20 years old. And um, obviously, I wanted a wife who, who loved Jesus. And um, I had one opportunity. Well, I'm a gib, so I had many opportunities. Joel's know what, what that's like. But um, one opportunity, one specific opportunity, um, this girl was trying to kiss me and stuff. And I had this, this uh, vision came into my head of a red light. Uh, like, you know, the stoplights, red, amber, and, and it was like, this is not the person. Wait, amber, and then the right person is going to come along. And bizarrely, a girl in our church once said to me, Paul, how, how will we know revivals come in? Which, how do I know that? I, I don't know. But I made a joke because I was a punk. So I made a joke. I said, I don't know, but um, because everybody looked very normal in our church. I said, but you know revival because there'll be a girl with beautiful blue eyes and black spiky hair will walk into the church and I'll marry her. About two months later, that's what happened. Lynn, Lynn walked into church and I was on hymn duty, getting out of hymn books. And Lynn walked in, she had big black spike of hair and beautiful blue eyes. The rest was okay, but her eyes really stood out. And, uh, she, walked, and she walked into church and we started, eventually, um, she had a car and we started dating and it was kind of cool and stuff like that. We actually, she had to use everything, everything as leverage, you know. So eventually, um, our first night, actually, I, I've got to be careful of time here, but our first night, we, we crashed, the first date, we crashed into a police car. I'll tell you about that story sometime. It was interesting. But during that night, I said to her, you know, I believe one day I'm going to be a missionary. And Lynn said to me, I, I believe one day I'm not. <laughs> okay. So, um, so we dated and it was all going pretty well. And then um, suddenly I felt God call me to, to be a missionary and give me the next step. And the next step was um, to go to Scotland to train. So I remember the day I said to Lynn, Lynn, I feel like I'm supposed to go to Scotland to be a missionary. And she said to me, well, that's the end of us then. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. And I had that choice, you know, because I thought, well, this is, I've got Lynn who's amazing. But I've got God's called me to do this missionary work. And if you remember last week, we told the story of that lady who had a similar situation. I didn't know that story at the time. And she chose uh, her boyfriend who eventually left her anyway. And then she never fulfilled her, her calling. So I went to Scotland and it was really bad. It was horrible. I didn't enjoy a moment of it. And I'm, I'm in Scotland being trained. And sometimes I would phone Lynn just because I'm a pest. So I'd call him and say, hey, Lynn, how are you doing? And the conversation would go like this. Hey, Lynn, how are you doing? All right. Anything happened this week? No. How was your mum? Okay. All right then. Well, it was lovely to talk to you. Speak to you next week. Put the phone down. She didn't want anything to do with me at all. And then uh, I, after a while, it got really bad because I'm like, what am I going to do? I've got these two things pulling me. I'd already made a choice to seek first the kingdom of God, um, but I, I didn't want to give up. So I said to the Lord one morning, Lord, if this is not for you, if this is not right, just let me know because this is driving me crazy. And I opened the word of God, and that, that uh, day, it was a passage of Ecclesiastes. 
And it says two are better than one if they have a good return for their work. So I think this is Lord telling me not to worry about it. It's going to be Lynn or someone else. So I said, so I called up, big rookie mistake. I called Lynn up and said, hey, Lynn, just so you know, uh, rookie mistake. Yeah, you understand that. Okay. I, I rang Lynn up and said, look, hey, I don't know. Just to let you know, I feel like peace now because God's given me this verse. And she hung up on me. She hung up on me. It wasn't good. She's quite nice normally. Just sometimes she could be really mean. So... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so about four months later, I thought I was going to go to Africa. I generally did, or Papua New Guinea with somebody else in my head. And we're not going to the story because it's a, I'll tell you that other story sometime. God called me back to Manchester. And uh, first time I went back to church, then we wouldn't really talk to me. So then I kind of like got older. We started chatting with her and all this kind of stuff. And eventually we went out for, for a walk. And I'm like, I really think we should get together. You love Jesus. I love Jesus. You love Jesus more than the other girls in the church. I think this is... Blah, blah. She wasn't sure. So I proposed to her. I was sat on a washing machine at the time. It wasn't very romantic because I, I really think we should get married. That was it. So it wasn't good. Anyway, we went out and we were walking around Manchester. Now, if you know Manchester, it's a very urban kind of environment. Um, and it's just shops and it's like the center of Dallas. Um, and Lynn said she did that thing that I don't believe in, which is giving a fleece, which is if this happens, then I'll know it's God. I don't think that's a good idea, but God honors it very often. So we're walking down the road. She said, look, if there's a wedding around the corner, We'll get married. Walk around the corner, there's a wedding. She was, she was snookered, as we say in England. So eventually I said, okay, we'll have to go and buy a ring now. So we went and we got, a, a, begrudgingly, we bought a ring and we got married. What I found out later was this, was the day I read, uh, that this is, she told me this well later, the day I read, um, um, what was the verse? Um, Two are great and better than one. She read the same verse that morning. It was kind of cool. And what I've learned is this, that when, when you fight for the heart of God, he fights for your heart. And uh, we've been married, it'll be 30 years um, next month where they've been married. And uh, what I found out after, don't clap her. I can see you clapping. Well done, Lynn. That's amazing. <laughs> what I found out after is we've been talking about this theme of knights, not as warriors, but as role models. So we talk about the knights of the kingdom principles. What I found out afterwards, which was interesting, uh, Lynn told me, is that on her, she told me a birth certificate. And on her family side, actually, she's a Lancelot. You know Lancelot? That's a, that's a family name going back. It's kind of, kind, of, kind of cool. So you seek first the kingdom of God, fight after the, the Lord's heart, and he, he fights after for yours. And that's been a wonderful story we've noticed in our lives. Uh, a third thing about this principle is seek first, and he will hide things not from you, but for you. So our vision was how do we advance the kingdom of God most? We're going to reach into schools. How are you going to get more people in schools? We're not going to do things the way people normally do it. The way people would normally set up like gap year internships was the apprentice or the, the, the person coming on the gap year would pay and that money. You go and join all that money to pay for someone to run the course. And I felt God say to me, I want you to build the biggest net you possibly can build and not charge. So I had to have faith that we would just try and raise the money somehow. And every time somebody came on, it cost us money. Um, but it was free so we could get far more people. Uh, like in England, it's the biggest right now, pays is the biggest internship program uh, in the country now, apparently. So we wanted as many people as we could. But that, that meant we were skint, as we say in England. We had no money. We had virtually no income. It was, it was pretty tough. And uh, Joel had just been born, and Levi, our second son, was on the way. And we lived in this house that was... Um, pretty run down. It was really, really bad. So the, the roof um, 
had some storm damage and was leaking a little bit. It was just really bad. Actually, the roof wasn't the worst part of it. The windows were bad. There would be ice on the inside of the windows and, and uh, it was just really, really well. So to get in bed, we used to have hair dryers to warm the bed up. It was really bad. It was, it was really bad. It was a bad, bad house. And um, what I didn't know was that Lynn decided, because uh, Lynn and I are not like super spiritual, but I was out one day and Lynn decided that she would lay hands on the walls of the house and ask God to heal the house. So she puts her hands on the walls of the house and says, Lord, we're seeking first. Uh, um, please, will you, you know, we, we, we believe in this promise. Around that time, I was getting phone calls from people saying, hey, Paul, you're great, good communicator. You know, you got a second baby on the way. Just lift up the phone. We can get you a really good job in ministry. Still, still working in a church, be a youth pastor, lead a church somewhere, get a good salary, everything we find. Still in the ministry, still serving God. And I'm thinking, yes, I would be, but that's not the thing that will most advance the kingdom of God. Because at the moment, I've got like 70 people full-time going to schools, reaching hundreds of thousands of young people. So we've got to keep doing what we're doing. Levi's on the way. Get a, get a little letter through our post. And the letter said this. I'm not making any of this up because sometimes people say to me, are you making that? No. So a le the letter comes through the post. We own this house. And the letter came through and said, because of the recent incident, there had been a girl who was 16 years old who had been kidnapped by our next-door neighbor's grandkids tortured for a week and murdered and um, the police moved in with a temporary police station and a third one in three um, residents moved out because they were all criminals um, so it's just it was a complete mess and they said to keep good residents we're going to give you a grant um, to fix your roof and add a security system so people will stay in so phone us to find out if you're in the area so i made a phone call and uh, they said, oh, here's, here's a picture of the area. Unfortunately, you're not in the area. We're really, really sorry. So we prayed a little bit more. We said, Lord, we're believing in this promise. And we phoned them. They said, oh, it's really weird. Actually, we just changed the system and you're now in the area. So this is fantastic. So it's a £12,000 grant, $15,000. You'll have to pay about 20%. So is that the wind? Wow, I thought somebody was screaming. Um, so, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try and raise 20%. And then they came, we looked through the house, they found out what we did, and they said, you know what? You, don't, you, you have so little income, you can't be, we'll give you for free 12,000 pounds. And then they looked around us and said, actually, there's some problems with this, this room that we need to fix if we're going to do the roof. So we'll redo this room for you. It got about a month into it, and they said, listen, there are so many issues with your house. We're going to knock it all down. Would you like an extra build room? Build it, uh, an act. Would you like an extra bedroom when we rebuild your house for free? And they rebuilt our entire house for free. It was our house. It, we, we owned it. It was amazing. It was incredible. And it's amazing when you seek first the kingdom of God. Six years later, what happened was they put so much money, they put money into the old area. We got the most by far than anybody else in our area. But the area was so bad, the, the national press called our area, the four streets on which we lived, um, a ghetto of underprivileged underachievers. So what did they, great for the housing rates. You know? So what happened was uh, after six months, they pulled all this money in facilities and stuff. But unless you change the hearts and minds of people, you don't change a community. So six, six years later, it was just as bad as it had been. And in fact, somebody knocked on my door one day and said, I'll give you 10,000 pounds in cash now to buy your house off you. You're not going to get a better offer. And he was right. And we thought, this is, this is a real nightmare. It was getting really, really, really bad. And the boys needed a bedroom each. So we thought, well, we're going to pray again, see what happens. And I said to Lynn, it's no word of lie, I said to Lynn, unless the government forces our house off us 
and gives us money for it, we're never going to be able to find a buyer. We went, we went away for, and stayed with somebody for a few days, came back, opened our first letter, and the government was saying, we're, we're what we call in England is compulsory purchase order. The, the phrase here is different. I can't remember what the phrase here. When the government, yeah, imminent domain. And uh, they, they gave us not enough money to buy a, a new house, but they said we'll give you a grant as well. Anyway, cut long story short, we're going around Manchester trying to find homes, couldn't find any homes at all for the price we were going. Found one house that we thought might work and uh, we offered them money, nobody offered any money. They called us back and said, I'm sorry, somebody's just offered money the same day as you. And we said, that's really strange. He said, yeah, so we offered a bit more money and they said, He's just called us, this guy, to tell us whatever we offer, he will, he will add a few thousand pounds more, so he may as well give up. It was bizarre. So we had, we, we were given some like 30,000 pounds, and the cheapest house you could find at that time in Manchester was about 50,000 pounds, and we had nowhere to, we had virtually nowhere to live. Joel and Levi getting a bit bigger, we're seeking first the kingdom of God, and then weird stuff happened, and suddenly we ended up in America with a four-bedroom house and a swimming pool. It was bizarre. It was the most bizarre thing, like several weeks later. It was amazing. And when I went back to England, um, I was driving past the house that we were trying to buy. Like it was a cheap house we were trying to buy. And it just had a sign outside it. And the sign said, four inquiries ring this number. Well, I'm nosy. Something, I'm going to... It's just because it was a weird story. And I've condensed the story. So I phoned, I phoned the guy up. And the first thing he did, I went, hi, I'm ringing about such and such, or 155 St. Mary's Road. And the guy drops the F-bomb. Oh, beep. That beeping, beeping house. It's beeping, 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 dry, driving me crazy. I went, okay, calm down, mate. I'm just ringing because you've got the number. He said, yeah, he said, I'm sorry to swear at you, mate. He said, I just explained, he said, about, about a year ago, I was driving down that road, saw that house, and something made me go and buy the house. I don't know what to do with it. Have you got any ideas? I'm like, no, mate, I don't, but thanks for the story. <laughs> Put the phone down. God has things hidden for us, not from us. So when we seek first the kingdom of God, he has things stored away. And sometimes we can be praying and praying and praying out of desperation. God, God, do this. Do this for us. And God's already done it. But he's waiting for something. I'll mention what he's waiting for in a few moments. Seek first and you'll never outgive God. Seek first and you'll never outgive God. God's promise is always going to be greater than the opportunity you give him. Give him a small opportunity, make a small sacrifice, and you'll see God move. Give him a big opportunity, make a huge sacrifice, and you'll see amazing things happen. And there'll be times when, when we're working out what is the most advantage what is the most effective thing to advance the kingdom of God sometimes it's gonna be a small little choice sometimes it can be huge and it's gonna be very very practical you know fighting a spiritual battle is not like a scene out of Lord of the Rings where it's you will not pass you know big epic scene it's little choices that we make all the time but wherever the choices that you make God's promise is always going to be bigger so if you want to really experience God in your life give him a bigger opportunity Give him a bigger opportunity. Sometimes, you know, I, I think I've told you this before, I used to get annoyed at missionaries because they had all these amazing stories and I didn't have any. But they, they'd put themselves in situations that if God didn't turn up, they were in major trouble. And sometimes we don't do that. We seek first. Well, we don't seek first. We seek third, the kingdom of God, or fourth, maybe. 
Seek first and God will maintain the rewards he gives you. Do you know why or do you know the one thing that God will not give you? What's the one thing that God will not give you? Have you ever thought about that? Is there one thing that God will not give you? Because there is. The one thing that God will not give you is the one thing that will become God to you. God will never give you the thing that becomes God to you. Uh, the word of God says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And really God and money there, money has been used as a metaphor for any other desire. That There are things that we want and God could give it to us, but he knows if I give you that child, that will become your God. Yeah, I could give you that spouse right now, but I know right now, if I do, that spouse will become your God. Yeah, I, I, can, I can do that in your life right now, but if I do that, that is going to occupy your, you're going to be devoted to that more than you're devoted to me. And God's a jealous God. So there are things that we're desperate for God to give us, and he'll give us those things when we're not so desperate. And he loves, and he's looking, and, he, and he's, he's storing things away for us. He's got things hidden for us, not hidden from us. And, and I find this incredibly exciting. I remember just God doing weird things. I remember um, when we outgrew, when our organization outgrew the church we, we were in, we started it in Manchester, and there was a building down the road, and it was a huge building. It was in a bad, bad state. And so they offered us this, in, this massive building for £62,000. And you're going to say this is just coincidence, okay? I say it's God. You'll say it's coincidence. But £62,000 is to the penny how much money we did not have. <laughs> just think about it. Think about it. We had no money at all. We had no money at all. 60, it, was, it was like... That's great. It's a bargain, but it's not a bargain if you can't afford it. And then somebody came along and said, you know what? Because of what you're doing, we'll give you the money. And then eventually I didn't accept that because they gave us the building for free if we, became, if we went and, and led the church. It's amazing. We got so many stories of how God supplied our need. But in this passage, we have to understand there's an if. There's an if. Uh, there's a lot of ifs, you know, to God's promises. I know that sounds heretic, but if you, if you look in the Bible, there's a lot of ifs. If you do this, I will do this. If you seek first the kingdom of God, I will take care of everything else. And you won't have that, that sense of having to maintain it yourself. Because um, the word of God, uh, when Jesus says, um, do not worry, again, this would be on the screen. The Greek word means literally this. It means to divide into parts. In other words, don't let your mind go to pieces. Don't let it be broken into a mosaic. So do not worry means do not allow your mind to be divided. That's the problem. That's the concern that Jesus is talking about. You know, some of us are brilliant visionaries. Brilliant. They're, they're, in fact, I would suggest that most of you are brilliant visionaries, and, and ladies especially so. But we don't call it vision. We call it worry. Because we imagine what can go wrong. And the imagination is an amazing thing that God's given us, that he's not really given the animals or anything else in creation. He's given us this incredible thing called imagination. But the worst use of imagination is to imagine the worst. 
and we do it all the time. We meditate and we meditate and we ponder the word. We play out every possible worst thing. When you seek first the kingdom of God, you don't have to do that. Because you'll have story and story and story of God not just giving it you, but then taking care of it for you. And it's so incredibly freeing. I just know that for many Christians, we're not living this way. We're not living in that kind of freedom because we're so tempted by the things the world tells us we need that we are seeking the kingdom of God, but it's third or fourth or fifth. And so this particular principle doesn't actually apply to us. For, for years in my life, it certainly didn't apply. I'm hoping it applies more now. And I would encourage you, don't allow your mind to be um, divided. But instead, ask the question, Lord, what is the most effective thing I can do for your kingdom? I'm going to tell a story now that Lynn tells me I should never tell, but I'm going to tell the story because she doesn't like what I do. But let me just explain the story. It's not about Lynn. Um, there's a story, Mark, Mark and Becky know this. There's a story in the Bible. Uh, sorry, not in the Bible. There's a story that youth leaders tell all the time in England. It's called the Starfish Story. And uh, it goes like this. There's a man walking down a beach one day and he sees a boy. And the boy is rescuing starfish. And there's, there's hundreds of thousands of starfish washed up, dying on the beach. And he sees this little boy and this little boy is picking up a starfish. And he's throwing the starfish in the water to save it. And he goes over and he picks up another starfish. And he, and he throws in the starfish into the water to save it. But there's hundreds of thousands. And the man goes up to him and says, what are you doing? What, what are you trying to do? You're not going to make much of a difference, are you? And the little boy picks up a starfish and throws it in the water and says, no, but I'll make a difference to this one. I hate the starfish story. I hate the starfish story. There's a million starfish dying on the beach. What's the point of just throwing one or two in? I know it makes us feel better. Buy a flipping tractor. Get together with someone else. Do something. And the fact is, and the fact, and I know this doesn't preach well, but the fact is, we live in a society that says to us as Christians, as long as you're doing your bit. Well, yeah, we may feel like a little bit less guilty because we're giving our little bit, but actually, there's probably more we can do. There's probably more. We can, there are a million starfish dying on the beach. There are lots and lots of your people in England dying without Christ. And some of us as churches will just do our little bit because when we're doing our bit, but we're not, we're not going to join with that other church or that other joint church and do something that actually works. And I think when we make those choices to really seek first the kingdom of God, what we're asking is, Lord, what's the most effective thing that I can do? Not, Lord, what's the thing that keeps me still being a Christian on the line? Is, is, I'll do this because at least I can, you know, I can say I'm doing what I should be doing. And, and not to be motivated by, well, if I do this, God will give me. So it's not falling in love with the promise, it's falling in love with his dream. And asking that question, Lord, what's the most effective thing I can do so more people can experience your love and advance the kingdom of God? When we do that, this promise kicks in. And it's an incredible, incredible, incredible promise. It's a wonderful thing. And I've lived both sides of it. I've been a Christian and not sought first. And I've been a Christian and tried to seek first. And the difference is unbelievable. The peace that God can put in our heart is incredible. Let's ask the Lord to help us with that even today. And Ryan, we ask you to come back up, please. I'm going to ask us just to, to stand. We're going to stand and sing. But um, I want to do something we don't normally do. 
uh, at Saints Church, but we will do from time to time. So first of all, let's just um, let's just keep our, our heads bowed, if that's okay, and close our eyes. And uh, just um, I'm going to read those uh, verses out to you again, just so you can be thinking about them and and what God's actually saying to us today. He says this. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. And just as uh, Ryan's praying, we're uh, just playing, we're going we're gonna to sing one more song. But I want to give people an opportunity to make a decision um, this 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 verse is not about whether you want to become a Christian or not. It's about how you live your Christian life. And there may be some of us in the room today that we know, you know what, I'm, my life's full of worry right now. And if I'm honest, I'm not seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm seeking it third, fourth or fifth. And uh, you would like to make a, a commitment to yourself and to God this morning that, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to change. I'm going to as best I can. And I'm sure I'm going to fail at times. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to stop before I make choices and ask which which thing most advances the kingdom of God. And, and if you would like to do that this morning, I'm going to ask you to do that thing that you do in churches sometimes. I'm going to ask you to come forward so we can pray with you. I'm not doing anything crazy, just pray over you. Because I think sometimes making that commitment physically is a big deal. It reminds us of something that's happening in our hearts. So as we sing, we're going to sing and start this song now. Um, I'm going to ask you to walk forward. Now, it might be you might be the only person in the room who does it. And that's cool because there are going to be times when you have to make this decision and nobody else is going to support you in it to seek first the kingdom of God. So as we sing this song, if you want to come forward, I'd love to just pray with you. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare, you're our living hope, your presence, Lord. And I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free. And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. 